0: Writings of General Sartorius, Volume 1 Mages have existed throughout the ages as powerful mediums between what is real and what is perceived. The ignorant view them with wonder and as avatars of divine beings, ever they meddle in the affairs of those who know only the simple and the mundane. They view themselves as superior. These humans who command the forces of the world itself should always be accounted for in war. To plan a strategy without the mage considered is no strategy at all. For whatever their greatest designs, they can be defeated, but only with the knowledge of that which counteracts the forces of Ayardin. If you face a mage, then you face Ayardin. So do not be slow in your strike, and do not be observed in your step, but be like the wind in your breath. Be like the seconds be like the scents, be like the memories before death. I am the preceding darkness, and this is the Saga of Stories. Part 1. The Kingdom of Magis. The Kingdom of Magis lies in the northern hemisphere of Iarden, along the northern border of Pale Moon. It is covered in snow through most seasons receiving only a small respite of slightly warmer weather during the summer purge. There are large bodies of water permanently frozen upon the surface with flowing warm springs underneath. The engineers install long pipes through the ice receiving clean water from these bodies which give the people an endless supply of water while other kingdoms go through much more trouble to attain it. Food is also abundant due to the overpopulation of ice bears and other fauna. They are fearsome creatures that could maul a man without much effort, but are easily subdued by the mages. Most trade is done through the ports of entry along the border, due to the harsh conditions and blizzard obstruction of the roads. Their lands are abundant, with gems and gold, making their export very valuable. Bandits rarely make attempts on these ports, however. As the Magister Guards are known to be formidable. The people of Magis are tall and slender, possessing very little fat due to the constant cold. The birth rate within Magis is lower than other countries, and the number of people eligible for entry into the Magic Academy is small indeed. The army is comprised of only spell swords and mages, both attending different branches of the Academy. The Warrior Wing and the Mage Wings are connected for the spell swords and they must train as basic mages for eight years before transitioning to their martial training, but most show physical aptitude before being accepted into the program at all. The standing army for the entire kingdom only numbers 2,000, but they are easily the match of any contingent 10 times their size. The military is also fond of hiring Yadarak mercenaries as meat shields and diversions. Only 1 in 20 children are suited for academy training, and they become well-respected individuals of the towns which they hail from. Each parent within the kingdom hopes for a child who is suited for the academy. The children that are not suited for the academy are still able to attend regular academia, specializing in magical engineering which is responsible for the invention of the magic siege weapons, the civil engineering of magic electricity, public transportation, and other vital services. Magic forms the basis of all existence for the population, and the people live luxurious lives due to its proliferation. There is also the alchemical school which other non-academy cadets are granted access to. There they learn how to craft potions, medicines, elixirs, and weapons of all types by merely mixing and enchanting various natural minerals. It is the finest school of its kind, and even an ordinary warrior can become exceptional. An exceptional one can become extraordinary. A mage candidate is generally picked from ages three and five, when the children begin manifesting their first signs of talent. They are then taken through an exhaustive trial process, testing their mental and physical prowess unto the extreme. The wasting trial being the most difficult as they are forced to spend a full week waist deep in frozen water, alternating every hour to prevent frost. No food is provided during this time and only small amounts of water, only just enough to maintain essential body functions, is permitted. Upon passing these trials, their energy is measured and when exceeding a certain threshold are given to the Magic Academy and when below, Are given to the Spellsword Academy. The mages will go on to wield high magic in its full capacity while the Spellswords learn to infuse their weapons with elementia as well as learning basic magic spells. Neither is considered more powerful than the other but useful in their roles. The mages are used as other armies might use bowmen or artillery tanks and the Spellswords are the rank and file infantry which protect the back lines and siege engines. Mages are given robes embroidered with different insignia depending upon their mastery, while spell swords wear half plate and half skirts below the plate with chain mail guarding their lower extremities. Their king is Lord Majerum, an orphan risen from the peasantry to become a grand master mage and the foremost diviner. He is respected by his people and the Council of Seven, and he has been prophesied to be the catalyst of the end of days. Part 2 The Black Trade Setting The Kingdom of Magus. The Black Market of Magus is known merely as the Black Trade, a small consortium that sells mage crafted wares to the rest of the world. It is highly regulated, and no advanced weapons or technologies are allowed to be divulged. The tradesmen are mostly dropouts from the academy and their mercenary bodyguards. They sell all manner of potions, from those which enhance strength to love potions. They also sell enhanced tobacco and spirits. They capture and ensorcel animals from the wild to be subservient to any new master, and sell these mind-broken animals as servants to the highest bidder. A band of pirates at one point attempted to rob the black trade, and quickly discovered their error when the flunky mages showed how dangerous even a partially trained mage can be, and they watched with horror as their ships burned down. They were captured, mind broken, and sold off to slavers as the first human subjects. After that, any criminals captured within the kingdom or captured at war are now sent to the consortium for mind breaking and selling in the slave trade. Much like the Hagraiths, within the magister ranks are those who have become blood mages, selling the blood of captives to rich suitors in need of transfusion or any purpose at all. Their method of withdrawing the blood is at least far more humane than the Hagraith method. The black trade is led by a necromancer and blood mage by the name of Tycondus the Bloody. He is no fledgling mage, but rather a full mage, who was banned from the academy for the practice of necromancy, which is outlawed within the kingdom confines. He was almost executed but given reprieve by the Lord King at the last moment to be able to keep an eye on the black trade from within. The black trade is second only to the corsairmen in prowess, and its leader is far more fearsome. The withering war hurt the people of Magis the least as their food and water stores were plentiful with the constant supply line running from their lands into the lands of Pale Moon. However, the Lord King does not suffer defeat easily and was enraged. He demanded answers to a phenomenon that had proved to be beyond even his own understanding. His mages had shot many of the avians out of the sky and he himself had formed a great barrier around the entire army, shielding them from the oncoming fire. But the avian's numbers were endless, and a shield of such magnitude required an incredible amount of his own energy. Rather than fight against a new unknown and unseen foe, he decided to retreat and gather intelligence upon the phenomena. He lost only one magister during the fight, but it was a powerful one, his second general in command, who'd sacrificed herself to save her entire contention. He witnessed her limbs hacked off by the unseen force, and then left like a bloody rag upon the ground. During the retreat, once his army was safely upon the ships, he rescinded his shield and cast a spell of all seeing. but the invisible host which had attacked them was already gone. What he did see was one lone silhouette of a man-shaped creature with wings that stretched ten feet in at each angle, and the creature was completely ethereal with only white eyes that burned those burning white eyes locked with his, within them reflecting a reluctant respect, and then the figure was gone. That moment was far more important than the Lord King realized and was the beginning of a great event soon to come. The knowledge of high magic was hidden in grimoires, far beneath the earth discovered inside of a seemingly impregnable vault thousands of years old. The first mage was Grachis the Black, and it was he that broke the puzzle which allowed entry into the vault. When the vault was broken, from inside emerged an eternal guardian, which laid waste to the lands of Majus for ten years, until the people rallied together and fired a bombardment of siege engines upon it after trapping it in a ravine from which it could not escape. Its destruction caused a great crater where it once stood, and the machine uttered fated words upon its death. Upon its death, the inner vault opened and the grimoires were revealed. Gracious the Black was the Magister chosen to remove and study them, and it was he that commissioned the building of the two academies to accommodate the knowledge that was learned. The discovery of those tomes elevated the people of Magis into a global force, and what were once considered tribal northmen became scholars and powerful foes. Gratius was said to have withheld the most powerful spells from being taught at the academy because of their sheer destructive potential, instead intending to entrust that knowledge to the few most talented mages. He, however, never received the chance, as he was said to have been so powerful that he drew the attention of forces far his superior. The machine's death had in fact sent a message to its creator upon death, which had brought the wrath of the superior force upon him. The accounts have faded from the annals of history, but at least one story tells of a night where the people hid in their homes hiding from what they perceived to be Armageddon. Gratius and his most powerful magisters were locked in battle with an unknown force that had descended upon them in the night. They slew all of the magisters, and Gratius was left battling alone upon the mountain. When he fell, the hidden force left his body broken upon the mountain, where he died painfully from his wounds. The force then proceeded to destroy the academy, but something intervened. The greatest spells died with Gratius, but the academies endured. The grimoires were presumed taken. Part 3. Birth of the Lord King Mejeron. Setting, Kingdom of Magis. Mejeron is descended from Gratius the Black removed by several generations, though he is unaware of his lineage. His father, a spell-sword of renown, and his mother, a scholar. His father died during a skirmish with Valiant troops while Mejeron was still very small. His mother died along with his father, leaving him to be an orphan raised by an alchemist, who owned a shop within the capital city. A contingent of Valiant troops were scouting ruins in the Magist lands, And when the Magist governance received word of the intrusion, they sent the closest unit to investigate. When they came upon the intruding force, they found a Beast Lord and a few guards looking for a particularly rare monster that had been terrorizing the countryside. Upon seeing the mages, the Beast Lord attacked, moving like a wild tiger who hadn't eaten in weeks. He was so strong and fast, and the magister troops were unprepared for the ferocity of the attack. His spear swings were angled in strange ways, and his movements appeared supernatural. The Magister guards were failed before they could do much. The Beast Lord also lunged at the Spellsword father, but he was more trained. The Spellsword sidestepped casting a fire curse, and the Beast Lord's skin erupted in flames. Roaring in pain, he lunged again at the magic warrior, but was sideswiped with a deep cut along his abdomen. The Beast Lord dove into the snow attempting to extinguish the flames, and the Spellsword saw a chance to end the fight, lunging in after him, but misjudged his opponent. The Beast Lord twirled the half of the spear forward, and the tip jutted out backwards before he fell, and the spell sword impaled himself with his own momentum. His wife then shrieked, bursting from the guard to attend to her husband, and the Beast Lord misjudged her for another opponent and struck her down. He then retreated before backup troops arrived. The woman gave birth right there, just before she died, and the backup contingent found the baby still attached to the umbilical cord, crying in the snow. At the age of one, the baby already showed immense talent, and he was taken to the academy at age two. He quickly proved himself to be better than all of his peers, mastering the basic curriculum in only two years. He then began mastering the most difficult studies in divination, when a small war erupted on the Southern Magist lands between a Bandit Lord and the Magisters, Mejeron promised that he could end the Lords, entire organization which was more than 10,000 men, with just himself and 100 Academy-trained warriors. The Archmages granted his request, and he showed brilliant strategies outmaneuvering and killing the Bandit Lord's army without losing a single soldier. After this show of strategy and skill, The archmages convened and unanimously agreed that he should lead them. Upon his coronation, the king did not celebrate, instead sharing a divination of what was soon to be the Withering War. Saga of Stories is a tale of war and fantasy created by myself, the preceding darkness. New episodes build upon the lore of the world, and are released every week. If you'd like to hear more, you can visit me at sagaofstories.com.